Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so this is week four in a message series called Worth the Wait. We've been talking over the last few weeks about how difficult it is to wait for things and how in this season in particular, we turn into anticipation. We turn into a season of waiting. Every time, you know, uh, whenever, whenever we turn the corner from, from Thanksgiving, uh, we move into this season where uh, we're just sort of anticipating Christmas. And if you can remember what it was like when you were little, you know, when you were, when you were a kid, if you remember in grade school and grammar school, seeing that clock up above with the tick, tick, you know, and you're sitting, everyone's sitting there staring, waiting for the bell to ring. You know, it just seems almost like time moves in reverse. When you're young, Christmas seems to take forever. And then... Uh, when you get a little older, you know, probably most of us, uh, when you get to be an adult, you know, you move through, you start moving through life and you're real, you know, if you're like me, you're kind of, there's something inside of you going, how could Christmas be this week? Like, how could that be? How could it be that we're already like almost on top of it? It just, and, and it does this every, doesn't it do it every year? Every year it just moves so fast. So time we experience time differently depending on our age and depending on our life stage and depending on our season. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a season of waiting, it feels like life is taking forever. And that's kind of been a theme for us in this series. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about how to handle it when we find ourselves in the waiting room. Not necessarily the waiting room at the doctor's office or the dentist's office or wherever you might be waiting, but I'm talking about the waiting room of life. The, 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 the space you find yourself in when there is some situation that you want to clear up, when there's some situation that you want to resolve, when you're just waiting on test results, when you're waiting on a judge or a jury to adjudicate over a certain matter, when you're waiting for a medical condition to go into remission, when, you, when, when you're waiting and you can't reconcile with your son or daughter, when you're waiting and you can't reconcile with a friend, when there's a financial hardship looming, I mean, fill in the blank. We all have some pain point in our life. We all have some place in our life that we wish would Resolve something for which we are waiting. It was like that in the very first Advent story. Mary and Joseph were embroiled in a sexual scandal. Mary was pregnant outside of wedlock. That was a huge deal in the first century. This was a significant point of shame for her family. The baby wasn't Joseph's, but Joseph was staying with her. So now there's all this chatter and there's all this gossip. And wherever they go, people are shooting them dirty looks. And it's just, it's miserable. This whole, that's how... I mean, you probably don't think of it in those terms, but that's how the first Christmas unfolded for the key players. It was a season of waiting, and they just wanted it to be over. 
We've all had seasons in our life that we just want to end, a situation we just want to resolve and move on from. It's difficult, really, really difficult to be in that place. But it doesn't mean that God isn't working in your life. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. Seasons of waiting are a part of it. You're not, and this, you, I think you already know this, but just to reiterate, God isn't going to give you everything you want exactly when you want it. God isn't going to give me exactly what I want, exactly, exactly when I want it. He's not going to give you everything you want exactly when you want it. Why? Because no good parent would do that. No good parent would give a child every single thing they wanted whenever they want it. Once in a while, somebody tries that little experiment. It was called child-centered living a few years ago. I'll probably offend a few of you with this. You guys can email me. It'll be all right. Um, but if you've ever tried, if you've ever been adjacent to a family member who tried to raise a child in a child-centered home where the kid gets everything they want whenever they want it, it just never ends well. All it does is it creates an entitled human being who thinks that the world owes them everything they want whenever they want it. God is a better parent than that. God doesn't give us everything we want exactly when we want it. And some of that is because... Some of what we want now isn't what we want most. I mean, we could take that into a whole other sermon, but some of what we want now isn't what we want most. Sometimes we want something really bad right now, but it actually isn't what we most want. And sometimes what we want really badly right now would be bad for us. We talked last week from the, uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Corinth where he said, Now I know in part and I see in part. Then I will know fully even as I am fully known. So now we know in part. We don't, we don't have the whole picture. We don't have all the information. We only see part of it. And because we only see part of the information, because we only see part of the picture, we don't understand, you know, it's like, why? Why can't this thing resolve itself? Why doesn't God help me with this? This seems a simple thing. He's done this for other people. I don't understand why he won't do it for me. Other people have had this situation resolved. Other people have been delivered through this. But not me. I'm still sitting here in the waiting room wondering why. So what we need to kind of internalize today, church, what we need to kind of get our head around is that waiting is part of it. If you were here uh, over the last year, we did a message series from a book in the Bible called the Book of Ecclesiastes. And the Book of Ecclesiastes delivers wisdom. It's actually part of a section of the Bible called wisdom literature. And it says in this book, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Do you guys remember that? To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And if you don't remember, there it is. To everything there is a season. There's a purpose to this. That season you're spending in the waiting room, pay attention now because this is important to impatient people like me. That season you're spending in the waiting room is not indicative of God having made a mistake. That season you're spending, because here's what happens. When we're made to wait 
We get irritated and we start to feel disregarded. And when, when we're praying for something and it doesn't resolve itself, and when we're asking God for something and it doesn't just instantaneously correct, we start to feel disregarded. And something kind of comes up in us, a tone which, dare I say, might be called prosecutorial. How come you, God? Why don't you, God? How come you don't fix this? Why don't you correct this? As if we've been visited by some grave injustice and what's happening in our life is a part of normal life. Waiting is a part of it. That season you're spending in the waiting room is not indicative of God having disregarded you. It doesn't mean he doesn't see you. It doesn't mean he doesn't know what you're going through. This is part of it. God is going to do something in that waiting room. He's going to do something in that place. If you'll allow it. Did you know that the waiting room doesn't have to define you? The thing you're waiting for. The thing you want to see cleared up. We all have something. The thing you want to see cleared up. That if only sentence. If only this would happen. If only that could happen. If only this person would do this or if that person would do that. If only, whatever it might be that's keeping you up at night. There's an if only statement attached to it. A lot of people have effectively surrendered their life to that situation and said, I will only be okay when that situation corrects itself. I'm only going to be able to breathe normally when that situation corrects itself. I'm only going to be able to sleep well. I'm only going to be able to live my life. I'm only going to be able to glorify God. I'm only going to be able to serve God. I'm only going to be able to get back to normal living when this situation corrects itself. And when you start to think thoughts like that, you just empowered that situation to decide whether or not you get to be okay. You're bigger than that situation. God is bigger than that situation. And sometimes what's called for, and this is me getting up in your face a little bit, church, okay? I, I want to I I get up in your mug a little bit this morning. If I could give you a little bit of a pastoral nudge, here's truth. Here's a little bit of truth for you. Sometimes that waiting room gets to be a place where we get real comfortable. We just sort of surrender to it. We sort of give up. Like, like in a doctor's waiting room or a dentist's waiting room, you got your coat on, you know, and you're sitting there, and it's already warm, but you got your coat on because, you know, you don't want to hang your coat up because there's strangers in the room, and they might go through your pockets. They won't, but you still think they might. So you keep your coat on, and you sit there, and you kind of, and you just, it gets all warm, and you're bored, and all of a sudden, you just fall asleep in the waiting room. It's like that in life. You just start to think, God can't do anything with where I am. God won't do anything with where I am. I'm kind of stuck here. Loved ones, you're not stuck. God wants to work in that valley. God wants to do something with you in the waiting room. You still have a life to live. The fact that you're waiting for something doesn't mean you, you don't, at this moment, have a part to play in God's vast, amazing story. The question is, what are you going to do in that valley? I want to turn to some scripture now. And, and this, is, this, is, um, this is some of the most well-known scripture in the world. And it's also some of the most beautiful poetry ever written. This is from the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Listen to this. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He, le- he, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So David identifies in this passage a valley. This translation says it's a valley with dark shadows. Another translation, which may be more familiar to you, says the valley of the shadow of death. Either way, this valley is a dark place. This valley is a terrible place. This is not a valley, this is not a place where you want to hang out. This is a place that you want to move through. So what does David do? He walks through the valley of the shadow of death. He moves through it. He doesn't just camp out and make, make a little tent for himself and build a fire and go, oh, I guess this is it. This is my life. I can't do anything until the, the clouds clear. I can't do anything until this situation corrects itself. Here I am in the valley. I've just given the valley permission to define me. Now I'm a captive to the valley. David doesn't say any of that. He keeps walking through it. He moves through it. So the truth is, here is up in your face a little bit here again. The truth, church, it sometimes it's easier to complain than it is to move. Am I up in your kitchen yet? Sometimes it's easier to complain than it is to move. It's just easier to complain. Oh, this is awful. This is a terrible thing that's going on. I can't believe it. These stupid doctors. The courts are taking so long. The taxes. The government. The mask mandate. The whatever. I mean, is there any shortage of things to complain about? No. Plenty of stuff to complain about. If you need something to complain about, just look on Facebook. You'll find it quick. All kinds of things. So it's easy to complain Easy to look upon whatever is troubling us. Easy to look upon whatever is hassling us. Easy to look upon whatever situation we find ourselves in and just complain about it and use it as an excuse to stay put because it's easier to complain than it is to move. And for some of you, God might be calling you to move. He might be calling you to step out and say, yeah, okay, you're waiting. And yeah, it's no fun and it's uncomfortable and you wish something something would change. But maybe now is a moment when God is calling you to step out in faith and trust him on something. Don't let that waiting space anesthetize you. You still have a life to live. It might be years before that thing clears itself up. And I wish it would. I mean, for whatever's bothering all of you, 
I would love to see, to see the clouds part. I would love to see everything just work out beautifully. I would love to see you skip along on your merry way with no worries and have a carefree, wonderful season of life coming up. That would just be awesome. But the truth is, in a room this size, there's some of us here that are dealing with things that are going to be around for years. Are you just going to not live your life for years because that situation exists? No, 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 you're not going to do that. You're going to walk through the valley. You're going to keep moving. Why? Because God has given you an opportunity to play a part in a vast, amazing story. It's a gift. God gave you a gift. And like all gifts, it has to be received. You got that part, right? A gift has to be received. If I give you a gift, you just leave it on the counter. You never got it. I may have tried to give it to you, but you never received it. Gifts have to be given and received. God has given you a gift. He's given you a part to play in a vast, amazing story. What does that mean? It means honor God and love others and serve all with your life. Live outward bound. How does that start? How does it begin to honor God? How do you begin that? If you're new, right? Let's talk, let me talk to you for a minute if you're new. Because some of you in here, you know, and this has kind of been true of our church for a long time. We have people all across the, 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 uh, you know, the board here in terms of faith. We've probably got a few people in the room who are atheists today. We probably have a few people who would self-identify as agnostic. Some of you are, are sort of beginning to have some faith. Some of you have been Christians for a very long time. And you, if this is all, you know, something that's familiar to you. But wherever you are, and I really believe this to be true, wherever you are on that, on that spectrum, wherever you are on that continuum, I believe that God has a plan for your life. And that involves honoring him and loving others and serving the world around you. So how do you start? Where does it begin? You start to honor God when you confess your sins to him and receive his forgiveness. That's where it starts. You confess your sins. You confess that what you need today isn't a pep talk. You don't need a little self-help boost. You don't need me to come alongside you and give you a little self-esteem, you know, vitamin B12 shot to get, you, get, you, get your self-esteem back up. No, what you need and what I need and what we all need this morning is a savior. We need a savior. So you start, you confess your sins to him and you invite him into your heart and there begins the process of honoring God. Your worldview changes. You start You start thinking of him. You start worshiping him. And now you're starting to live outward bound. Now it's not all about you. Now you're not so focused on your pain. Now you're not so focused on your issue. Now that if only statement, whatever it might be, that has you pinned down in the waiting room. Now, whoa, all of a sudden it started to become resized. It started to act, actually shift. Your perspective is changing. You're starting to see that you are bigger than the situation. And now... I mean, you, look, you want some help? Let me hook you up with something practical for you in the waiting room. And I don't, oh, let me just hit you with this. I don't mean to make light of it. I know that it hurts. I know very well that pain. I don't mean to make light of it, but this is truth. Are you ready for this? Here, here's this. You want some help in the waiting room? You want some help with that pain? Get your eyes off of yourself and find somebody else to bless. 
Get your eyes off of you and find someone else to bless. I know, it's counterintuitive. And if you're new, you're like, what? I know, it's Jesus logic. It works in reverse. It doesn't make sense, but you will find that it's true. And you don't even have to be a Christian to see that this is true. You get your eyes off of yourself and look for someone else to bless. And you will find your own burdens lessened. You will find your, the stuff that you're carrying somehow seems lighter when you take your eyes off of you. You still have work to do in that waiting room. God is still worthy of praise. Even though that situation hasn't resolved itself, God is still worthy of praise. God is still worthy of, of honor. And you still have work to do even in that space. And that's how God does things in our life. That's how, that's how it works. I know you prefer the mountaintop. I do too. You know why? Because when you're on the mountaintop, you can take Instagram pictures. Yeah, buddy. You can take photos and everything's picturesque. And the air is crisp and clean, and we love the mountaintop because it's beautiful. And, and I hope, and I really mean this, I hope you have some mountaintop moments this holiday season. I hope that there are moments of peace and wonder with your family and with those around you. I hope you connect deeply with the God who made you. I hope the mountaintop is beautiful. I really do. I, I, hope, it's, I hope you have wonderful seasons on the top of that mountain. But hear this, and don't get it wrong. Crops don't grow on the mountaintop. <laughs> Fruit does not grow on the mountaintop. Fruit grows in the valley. Crops don't grow on the mountaintop. Crops grow in the valley. If God's going to produce fruit in your life, it's going to get done in the valley. It's going to get done in the difficulty. It's going to get done in the waiting. But only if we don't fall asleep. Only if we decide, and you get to decide this, that you will honor God and love others and serve all with your life regardless of your circumstance. That you're not going to sit around and wait for something to, to, to clear itself up. That you're not going to sit around and wait for some other thing to resolve before you start living the life that God gave you to live. Before you start playing the part that God gave you to play in his amazing story. You've been given a part to play in a vast, amazing story. And there is no greater gift. Don't leave it unopened. Decide today, you're bigger than what's pinning you down. God's bigger than what's pinning you down. That situation is not, is not insurmountable, and it won't last forever. It's a season. Move in that waiting room. Move from that waiting room. Step out from it, and I think you'll see God start to do some amazing stuff in your life I pray that that'll be true in my life. I pray that'll be true in all of our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to hear from some scripture, and Father, to, to learn. Lord, we, we've all just gotten drowsy at times, waiting, and it's easier to complain than it is to move. So we allow those exterior circumstances to define us and pin us down and we behave as if we have nothing left to do on this world but to wait when that actually isn't the case. You've given us even in 
the waiting time, even in that waiting space, you've given us an opportunity to play a part in a vast, amazing story, to glorify your name and to be a blessing to the lives of others around us. Help us to find that ability. Help us to, to glorify you that way and trust you that way, even when it's difficult. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.